It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's real simple, you know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from 670 The Score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. Dan, it's been a while, but back here taking the North. Looking ahead to a big week in Indianapolis for the Bears. Lots happened since we last talked. Thank you to Herb Howard and Lawrence Holmes for filling in when I was gone on vacation in the Poconos, dealing with another type of bear. But we'll talk about that later. (laughs) But uh, how are things going? Yeah, Lawrence threatened to take the Take the North podcast and never give it back. And then by the end of the episode, he decided he was going to give it back. So I'm glad he did. I'm glad you're back with me. I'm glad we've got a whole lot to talk about. We do. Yeah, I'm glad uh, he gave it back as well, because there's a lot going on. Uh, we want to quickly kind of recap what happened on Saturday in the in the preseason opener. That's a, a couple of days removed. But let, if we could, I, I'd like to start with your take on Nate Davis, who has yeah. created some consternation with a very, I would say, trying to be fair and accurate here, uncomfortable media session on Monday following practice, and a lot of the give and take revolved around his availability, when he would return, and it seemed to me, as I said on the Mullen Haw Show, Dan, there seemed to be a, a disconnect between the team and the player regarding his availability and return. How did you interpret what was said, and what do you expect the next step to be with Nate Davis? Well, I'm bothered, David, by the lack of clarity from both the player and the team because it's so unnecessary. And all it does is open the doors to as much rampant, widespread, wild speculation as you want to open the doors up to. And it's happening all over the place. We're almost five months into Nate Davis's time as a Chicago Bear. He signed with the team in March on a, on a free agent deal that was one of the, the biggest that they gave out this offseason. And we're about to head to Indianapolis for crossover practices with Nate Davis having not participated in a single padded practice as a Chicago bear yet. And so, yes, there is some head scratching that needs to be done. You need to wonder what was it that kept him uh, from practicing earlier in training camp. And then he came back for a day and then he was out again. And now it's just this guessing game. And it's just one David that I I think would just do the player and the team a lot of good to just get out in front of and be, 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 transparent and clear about and and we move past this a lot quicker than we're moving past this there are a lot of people jumping to conclusions with the lack of information and the lack of clarity so i think that would behoove everybody to try to get in front of this or at least stop the stop the the confusion or at least clarify things because i think what it does is it it leads us to wonder a couple things number one is this a veteran who just doesn't like training camp? I think that's the that, that's a question that crosses your mind. Dave Wanstead addressed that uh, this morning on the Mullen Haas show. I think number two, you do wonder if it's an injury and a return from injury, and there's a dispute or a debate over how quickly the player can return to the field. We see that all the time. And the third thing is, is that frankly, you know, you do have a veteran, regardless of how he feels about practice and regardless of where he is on the health, you know, spectrum. 
$19 million guaranteed is no small investment. And I, while I won't change my prediction for the season based on the availability of a right guard, I do think there's a responsibility that the team has to maybe clarify this. And also maybe the player has to, to recognize just what he, what his worth is and what he means to this season and this roster. My cautionary tale with all this is Kyle Long, who suffered that ankle injury many, many years ago and, and was slow to, to get back through rehab. And there was questions out there in the public sphere on, oh, is he, is he rehabbing hard enough? Is, is he too soft to come back? And as it turns out, Kyle's ankle was shredded. There was absolutely nothing to do with toughness. There was nothing to do with anything other than he suffered a devastating, career-threatening injury that took a long time to get on the right side of him. The Bears did him no favors by not coming clean with the the severity of the injury and leaving it out there uh, for a quote-unquote competitive advantage guessing game. And we learned everything we needed to know about the obfuscation of this information in the John Fox era when the Bears went 14-34 and in John Fox's three years as coach, right? Hiding injury information doesn't get you anywhere closer to a Super Bowl than giving it out and handing it out to everybody's doorstep on flyers that you put on the doorknob of everyone's front door. And so the silliness of this world where, where it's this paranoia of not saying anything in, in the, the interest of trying to create some edge that doesn't really exist, it drives me crazy, and there's mountains of evidence to show that it doesn't do any good. So here we are. We don't know whether Nate Davis doesn't like practicing. We don't know whether Nate Davis suffered an, an injury that is more severe to come back from. We don't know anything at this point. And so it is this guessing game. And here we are now. What are we, David? About four weeks from the season opener, the Wednesday practice of week one uh, are around the corner. And Nate Davis better be on the practice field the Wednesday of week one to justify what the Bears invested in him, to justify what he thinks he's worth to this offensive line because they need him to go to the heights that they want to go to this year. What we do know in the interest of context is that Matt Eberflus has recently, as Monday afternoon, reiterated that all of the players who are out are in no danger of missing week one. So he says football coaches mislead and obfuscate all the time. I don't know where Matt Eberflus is on that scale yet because, frankly, he's still relatively new. So he has said that none of the players who are out are in danger of missing time. So we'll keep him to his word because if he is wrong, as Brad Biggs reminded me this morning on the air, that will be something that he won't recover from, from a credibility standpoint, or at least have a very difficult time. And no coach who has, you know, coming off a historically bad season wants to be put himself in that position. Speaking of injuries, I also want to know what you think about this. Tremaine Edmonds has not practiced yeah. since August 2nd. The Bears went out and because of their status on the waiver claim list, were able to claim Michael Walker, an inside linebacker from the Atlanta Falcons, who made 107 tackles in 2022. Pretty good football player. Caught in a scheme change. He had played for three different defensive coordinators in Atlanta. Do you see any connection between Edmonds' injury and wanting to protect themselves from you know maybe his unavailability and Michael Walker being signed. A few things on this note. Number one, Tremaine Edmonds started practice on August 2nd and he didn't finish practice on August 2nd, but he met with the media on August 2nd. And I asked him after that practice directly, Hey, we saw you didn't finish practice today. Anything that, that we should know about health wise. Nah, nah, I'm good. Nah, nah, I'm good. Has not practiced since. So no, he wasn't good. We're two weeks past that. And so now we know that that was not a straightforward, uh, candid answer to a, a direct question. Is it related? The Bears still have two more preseason games to play. They have to play the Colts this Saturday. They have to play the Bills the week after that. They need to have linebackers to finish the preseason. Okay. 
they do not want to be playing TJ Edwards, you know, a, a ton of snaps down the last two weeks of these preseason games. Right. So right now, I think a lot of these roster churns and roster movement issues are based on the idea that, that you need bodies to get you to, to week one. You know, and you have to play games and, and the depth on your roster is going to require these next two weeks to, to have capable fill-ins. Um, beyond that, we'll see where this goes. I, You know, Matty Ruiz has also assured us that Jermaine Edmonds is in no jeopardy of missing week one either. That question was asked directly and he said no. If he does run into a credibility problem with this, David, you and I will start co-authoring a book called So He Says, in your words, right? And it'll be a, a, a bullet-pointed list of the things that Matt Eberflus says that, that, that were, were then debunked. This is the type of stuff in August that it, it drives you crazy because it is so unnecessarily complicated uh, and complex. But as it relates to Michael Walker, I don't know that there's much more to it uh, than just trying to to fill out a roster for the next couple of weeks to to get to the regular season and get through these preseason games with bodies that can play for you. That might be a good segment, so he says, but uh, <laughs> we'll remember that and make note of it. All right, so let's look at the linebacker position because uh, I think Walker is kind of interesting to me. Number one, he hit some incentives that escalated right. his contract for 2023 so he's he's due to make 2.7 million dollars if he is in fact on the Bears roster. That's a lot of money for a backup, Dan. And I don't know if it's going to be any more than a cameo in August or a fact that they maybe think that it's worth it to keep him around because of his experience. He has started games. He started 12 in 2022. I want to know this. You have Noah Sewell and Jack Sanborn kind of battling at the strong side linebacker position. We know Edwin Edmonds and Edwards are locks. That's four right now. You're talking about a team that's going to play nickel probably 70% of the time. How many linebackers do you envision making the 53-man roster? And do you think that Walker is somebody whose salary will be the determining factor? Well, another name we haven't mentioned is Dylan Cole, who was a guy that was brought onto this roster to be a core special teamer. He's been hurt the last couple of weeks. If he was healthy right now, you'd have one of these linebackers that is uh, on your roster to be a core special teams piece and a backup in case of an emergency. And so we don't know anything about Dylan Cole's injury either. Surprise, surprise. Uh, another injury uh, information that, that remains a mystery. With Michael Walker, here's one thing that, that you can keep in mind with Ryan Poles and the Bears' current status in the, the waiver claim order. They're, they're first. They're at the top of the list. So anybody that gets waived, you have the opportunity right now to bring that guy in and basically take a, a couple-week tryout on. You know, you're not due to pay him that $2.7 million until you get to that deadline roster, which is much closer to week one. Um, and so what you have now is a couple of weeks to take a look at them, figure out, is there anything here? Is there something we like? Is there something that we can, can squeeze out of it? But with that price, it just doesn't seem like something they'd want to do at this point, unless they really, really, really felt concerned about their depth at the position, which they shouldn't if everything that the head coach is saying is to be taken at face value. And so he says, we don't know. So he says it's not an issue, but I don't know if it's an issue or not, which is why I think it's a relevant point of conversation. And I would not be so quick to dismiss. We all have been around uh, August situations that, that tend to become bigger issues than they originally were thought to be. And I just hope this isn't one of them, because I also think that you're right. The Bears are at the top of the list. They're going to take some chances they can have extended tryouts. They tried out five linebackers on Monday after they claimed Michael Walker. They're, they're going to churn some people through. You talk about the roster churn, and that's all part of this. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. But it also speaks to this. I think that one of my biggest takeaways from the preseason opener, 23-17 victory over the Titans, was that Ryan Poles made a commitment, and I, I think he, every general manager would based on what he was inheriting, but this is a roster that is more athletic, it is more explosive, and it just looks like they have a lot more football players. They are definitely have an upgrade in talent and athleticism. And the more guys you get that look the part and can be, uh, can, can be examples of that, the better. And that, to me, was one of the biggest things we saw on Saturday. The Bears' physical football team, pretty athletic as well. Look, we always put the fine print around the preseason games and say, take it with a grain of salt, understand what the competition level that each unit is playing against when they're actually on the field. But there was certainly a level of competence on the field and a level of, uh, to your point, explosion and, and, and playmaking that was uh, few and far between in 2022. And so you hope there is some carryover to this. You hope that there are ways to get some of these results to translate into the regular season. You and I both know, having covered this league for as long as we have, that there's a lot of fool's gold in the preseason and a lot of uh, easy hooks to bite and, and, and bait to take to be like, this is a sign of, and then you get four months down the road and you go, that wasn't a sign of anything. It was just a, a game in August that happened to go a certain direction. But there were positives on Saturday against the Titans. You mentioned it on Twitter. Matt Eberflus now has more wins in the preseason as a head coach than he does in the regular season as, as a head coach. 4-0 uh, in the preseason as a coach. And, and, and when you're able to walk out of a building with a victory, you always feel a little bit better. You always feel like there's things that, that contributed to that victory, and there were. Clearly, on both sides of the ball, first-team offense exploding for 14 points in their first two drives. And then the defense as a whole for the entire day, getting those eight sacks, 11 quarterback hits, three forced fumbles, and two interceptions. That's a nice day for the hits principle. We'll get to the offense in a moment because I know people are wondering what you thought about Justin Fields and the progress he made. But let's stick with yeah. the defense as we're talking about linebackers and transitioning into that front seven and the waves of defensive linemen that the Bears want to throw at opposing offenses. Eight sacks is a lot. And you saw some guys who uh, really names that we're learning for the first time, rookies who are making an impact, a couple rookie defensive tackles that had sacks overall. When you talk about the eight sacks, what's that a biggest product of? Because the Bears haven't had eight sacks in a preseason game in five years, and they haven't had eight sacks in a regular season game since 2005. So when you have eight sacks for a team that had 20 last year in the regular season, it makes an, it makes an impression. You know how many sacks they've had since their last victory in the regular season? Uh, their last victory was October 24th, 2022. I, I don't know that. Eight. 
Eight, the same number in the 10-game losing streak. They had eight sacks, and they had eight in the preseason opener against the Titans on Saturday. So that puts it into context a little bit for how uh, rare we saw the quarterback on the ground. For me, um, one of the interpretations of it was just how relentless those guys played as an entire group on Saturday. You saw Travis Gibson's sack. That was a hustle sack, right? He bends, gets around the edge, doesn't necessarily get the quarterback where his his rush point was, but then stays with the play and gets Will Levis uh, at the line of scrimmage. And, and, and does what you want, hustle, intensity, you know, go after the ball. Terrell Lewis gets a strip sack uh, and, and shows you the ability to not only go after the quarterback but to attack the football, which is a big deal for Matt Eberflus and Allen Williams. You just saw consistently all day the Zach Pickens sack early in the game, such a promising sign for a rookie who just needs to feel some positive momentum in game action to get that, you know, you know how it is for rookies, that, that, that feeling of, yes, I belong, yes, this works, yes, I can have success doing A, B, and C. And so you had, you know, just a whole pileup of that, that type of thing throughout the afternoon on Saturday. And you hope that when they got back into the meetings, those things were illuminated, they were celebrated, they were showed, and then they carry over to crossover practices in Indy, the game at Lucas Oil Stadium, and on we march. Travis Bell, also the seventh-round draft pick from Kennesaw State, had a sack and made a good impression. Uh, you mentioned Zach Pickens. Those are kind of the kind of plays where you look at and, it's it's like boy, you know this. Ryan Poles had a good day because his draft picks made a good first impression, <laughs> and you weigh that against the way I think that Tra- Travis Gibson's day was almost perceived. Like, oh yeah, you know what? Uh, he had a good day, but he's making two point seven million, and I don't know if they can keep him. What is the difference, and what do you expect? Because Gibson, to the point, I, I give him credit because he was demoted, and he was you know, had a coming off a really difficult season. And he, you know, when they released the depth chart, when I was out of town and you guys may have discussed this last week, you had, where was his name? It was like buried fifth on the chart. Way over here. Yeah. No, seventh defensive end on the list. They, that motivated him. He responded to that. So I want to be, I mean, I'm almost like, I think the Bears should be as fired up about Travis Gibson having a day as they should be with, with Pickens and Bell and the guys that did come through because yes, he could be expensive, but you know what? There's no better thing on an on a NFL roster than a motivated player. And Travis Gibson, I think, reported to camp pretty highly motivated. No, that's a great point that, that, that there is something that you have to weigh as a front office when you see what's at, what's at stake for player X in this year. For Travis Gibson, everything's at stake. He's fighting for a job right now. He's fighting for his next job after this, you know, the next contract and what he can get when his rookie deal expires for, you know, Gibson, I thought was going to be a guy that was going to have to seize opportunities when preseason games occurred. Well, check one for one against the Titans. Now you get Indy, you get Buffalo after that, and you hope you continue to climb that escalator. We're just two years removed from him having seven sacks and five forced fumbles, which is a big deal because it shows ball production and ability to to make those game-changing plays. Well, now you're, you're on a list where you're, you're two free agent signings, Unique Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker are in the starting lineup. You're talking about Dominique Robinson, a draft pick of, of the current regime. You're talking about Rasheem Green. You're talking about Terrell Lewis. You're talking about DeAnthony Jones uh, on that depth chart as well. And then Travis Gibson's name shows up. And so he's just going to have to continue to stay the case and stay the case and stay the case. And he's also fighting this, this existence that so many guys in the league in August are fighting, which is if, if not here, then somewhere, right? So let me put enough on tape so that somewhere along the line, if I get cut by the Bears, somebody else says, that's a guy we want to take a, a gamble on because he has had production in the NFL before and you know that it's in there somewhere. You mentioned a couple guys like Green and like uh, the Anthony Jones and names that are you know becoming familiar with. Travis Gibson has experience. Does that become 
an asset or a liability because of what comes with that experience is obviously the salary in your mind when they're making 53-man roster decisions? I don't know. I really don't know how this regime looks at it. You know, I, I, obviously you don't have the attachment when you have a player that was drafted by the previous regime. And so there isn't the, the emotional feelings, which is part of the advantage that Ryan Poles came in with. He could look at the roster through sober eyes and he, he will in this case as well, um, because there's nothing at stake for him if, if a, a, another Ryan Pace draft pick goes out the door. But I, I think you want to find, particularly at a position that we've talked about for five months, has needed teeth. You want to find as much teeth as you can find, right? Or as many teeth as you can find to that pass rush. And so you got to figure that out and, and, and figure out what it looks like and figure out how guys respond to challenges. Terrell Lewis is a guy who flashed during the offseason and then flashed again on Saturday. Two more sacks, yep. uh, you know, a strip sack is one of them. And so you say, man, this is a dude with those athletic traits that look really good in this defense and, and could very easily stay to claim for one of those backup defensive end uh, positions. And, and on you go from there to ch- – ch- to figure out what the entirety of the roster looks like. And, and the good news for you and I is we're, we're, you know, we're two weeks away from the, the initial 53 being set. So we're getting closer and closer to, to, to some of these questions having answers. To me, the biggest takeaway from a defensive standpoint was the fact that Tyreek Stevenson looked the part as much as he did because yeah. I think of all the things that you are looking for it's in the preseason openers that what is going to be a factor when the games start to count? What is going to be translatable in week one. And to me, Tyreek Stevenson as a starting cornerback is something that, boy, you have to feel pretty good about if you are the Bears, especially if you are look at, you know, he was in camp in a pretty good positional battle with, with Terrell Smith and then Smith got hurt. And you look at Tyreek Stevenson as physical as he was, the way he recovered after an early mishap, the first right. play, he kind of had a missed assignment, lost lost track and got beat. And then he rebounded by leading the team in tackles. Dan, I think Tyreek Stevenson, small sample size, first impression, but boy, he looks the part. Well, your first impression from that game Saturday has been my impression through the spring and, and training camp. Because, uh, again, the, the dude has a mindset where he knows he belongs. I had a really fun conversation with him last week at Hellas Hall one-on-one where he was saying that his mom and sister had been spending too much time on social media and had Bears fans and, and others talking about how he was, uh, you know, overmatched. He's getting beat DJ Moore in, in viral highlights. He's getting beat by Chase Claypool in viral highlights. And he just had to say, mom, sis, like, I'm good. Like, I'm all good. Like, just stay off social media. I'm going to be fine. I know I belong in this level. And it's just about kind of learning as we go to see him make some of those plays. You mentioned the first play of the game. You give up a 30 yard reception because you have an eye discipline error and you say, OK, how's a rookie corner going to respond to that? Is that going to chew him up? Is the anxiety going to be too much to to overcome that? He comes back the play he made on and blowing up that wide receiver screen. Uh, to his side of the field was it was just a show of of tenacity and 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 aggressiveness that you're going to want your corners to play with. I have no worries that this dude is eventually going to be a legitimate stable starter for you. I think he's got a very legitimate chance to be a second contract starter for you. And what I've seen through the spring was backed up by what we saw on Saturday against the Titans. So that was a really, really cool thing to watch happen uh, with the stage a little bit bigger. It was a good day for Ryan Pohl's draft picks on both sides of the ball, except for maybe one guy. Valus Jones did not do well. He muffed a punt again. He did not read it correctly. And, Dan, I wonder, what is his future and, and how 
much of even asking that question, do you feel like is an overreaction or is it an NFL reality? If you come back and you make the same mistake in your second season that limited you in your rookie year, is that a sign that you just aren't going to be able to grasp this literally and figuratively as a bear? The Bears had two close losses last year to the Commanders and Giants that had at least one of Valus Jones' fingerprints on them because of the punts that he couldn't handle in those games. And so if you have a problem area that you experienced a year ago and then worked all offseason on and spent all your time trying to improve, trying to improve, trying to improve, and the first time you get back out in game action, you fumble another punt, it's not really good. And this is a problem because last week we heard a, a, a ton of, of glowing praise from Richard Hightower about how hard Valus Jones had worked, how there was a whole group, a whole village in Richard Hightower's words that were working with Valus on, on learning how to judge punts while they're in the air, off the punter's foot, how to catch them. And then two consecutive punts on an August day at Soldier Field, mind you, not November, not December at Soldier Field, August day, you misjudge two, you let them bounce, you try to feel, you feel the first one you feel cleanly and, and take it seven you to feel the second one you get blown up and and you fumble it's awful i mean Bills jones brought almost nothing to the offense a year ago he's way down the pecking order uh in the receiver depth chart right now on offense and so you better be able to bring something in special teams richard hightower told us last week that he wanted to see a touchdown to believe in Bayless jones and someone said well that's interesting i i thought you would first say ball security so well you better have the ball in your hands first before you try to make a big play with it Failed that test on Saturday against the Titans, right? And you just – I don't know if you're Ryan Poles how you can continue to just expose that, you know, in a way that that's going to leave your entire football team vulnerable. You're you're better off getting somebody back there less explosive, more reliable. Maybe Not that's Dante Pettis. Maybe that's, that's Tyler Scott. I don't – he had a fumble on Saturday, so that wasn't exactly – something that filled the coaching staff with confidence. But I do think they have to go to plan B or C because Valus Jones's plan A seems unworkable. All right, let's get to the offense because a lot of people have uh, obviously reacted positively. The, the first team offense took seven snaps. Uh, they scored two touchdowns. That's pretty good ratio, 14 points and seven snaps. Which of your, uh, which of Justin Fields' three completions was your favorite and, and what was your biggest takeaway from him going three for three with a perfect passer rating of 158.3? Yeah, 129 yards. That's a, you know, average of 40 plus per completion, 43 yards. Um, I, I'd say my favorite completion was the one to DJ Moore because it's what we've talked about all year. Uh, it's DJ Moore's arrival was going to make life easier on Justin Fields. Bingo. Justin didn't even throw a great pass on that play. It was a little bit to, to down and, and to, to DJ's right. DJ caught it. He used his blocks. He used his speeds. And off he went to the end zone for a touchdown that Justin himself said that could be legendary after the game. So that's my favorite right there. My takeaway from the game is that we were never going to be able to ask and answer all of the questions that Justin feels that we want asked and answers in two series in the preseason against the Titans second team defense. And so what you want to see is just something that you can, can hang your hat on. I hang my hat on productivity. You ran two screens for touchdowns, something the Bears couldn't do at all a year ago. You ran two plays for touchdowns where the quarterback didn't even really have to do very much. And Justin, to his own credit, after the game, almost seemed to be blushing, David, when he was like, I really didn't do much today. It's part of the point. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to do so much every week for this offense to be productive, for this group to experience a breakthrough, to, to, to getting on that climb to high-level success. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Let your offensive line do the work. Let your blockers do the work. Let your playmakers do the work. That was my takeaway from Saturday. Now, look, like we understand. Big questions about Justin Fields heading in the regular season are, where is his processing speed? Where is his pocket poise? 
That wasn't tested on the three passing attempts he threw, all of which, by the way, were completed behind the line of scrimmage, including the little check down sidearm shot to Kari Blasim. There's a lot more that needs to be answered. We're going to learn a lot more of these two crossover practices in Indy than we did in those seven snaps Saturday. But I, I, I lean stably on that productivity and hope that for Justin and the entire offense, it was a reminder that, hey, this does not have to be some sort of roller coaster thrill ride every time for us to score points. Throw it out to your playmakers, make a few blocks, spring it loose. Bears offense 2023 from check down to touchdown because that's go. exactly what happened. And I think the, the touchdown to Khalil Herbert was, you know, indicative of just how elusive Justin Fields remains. And he made a good read on that and, and he escaped. But I, I do look forward to seeing the ball thrown down the field. I do look forward to getting everyone involved. But but the thing is, I, you're exactly right. What it does when you have a number one wide receiver like DJ Moore and other weapons that that just make your offense more dangerous, it, is, it increases your margin for error. And I think last year, you know, let's, let's say, for instance, the same throw, which, let's face it, it wasn't a great throw to DJ Moore. It was kind right. of low, and he had to go catch it. Now, there, there, there are receivers that would go down and catch it and then – you know, gain 10. There was some receivers that would lean down to catch it and drop it. Right. Then there's DJ Moore and the number one wide receivers who go down and catch it, regather, and then become a running back in a, in a wide receiver body. And that's what DJ Moore does. And it increases the margin for error for a quarterback. Frankly, that needs that in the passing game. Watch Jalen Hurts. Watch tape of Jalen Hurts last year. I can think of a couple of times that I don't, we don't cover the Eagles. Not every throw was precise or accurate. He had receivers that made his bad throws good plays. And when you have a wide receiving core as good as the Bears really potentially could be, some of the throws that are just off are going to be first downs, might be touchdowns. Right. They're going to be big plays. So you don't have to be perfect. And you can be better by just having better players around you. So those players can make Justin Fields better until he's at the point where, as I keep saying, he can make them better, and eventually they're going to have an offense that's very dangerous. And they can all get better together. You have to. You do not need to make apologies for what they did on Saturday. You complete not three passes all. for 129 yards. Anybody asks you for an apology, tell them to scram. It's not needed. Not only does it reduce or, or increase the margin for error for the Bears' offense, but it reduces the fatigue individually on Justin. And how many times last year did we see a, a fourth quarter where the guy looked exhausted and spent because of all the things he was having to do by himself to try to keep the offense? offensive float he walked in and again two series in the first quarter seven seven snaps taken he walked into the the postgame press conference the other day looking like it was a day at the beach you know like that, that was simple we scored 14 points without me really having to do anything that didn't take a hit there was no pressure didn't have to to, to go escape and scramble didn't have to complete a single pass beyond the line of scrimmage let's sign up for that you know as often yeah. as we can and so that's that's a big deal i think for this offense and, and again there's still a long checklist of boxes we want to Hit them, see how they work, and if they work to the point of getting you across the goal line. A couple quick things before we get out of here. Um, offensively, a stick there. Roshan Johnson had a 24-yard run. He took some reps with the number one offense on Monday. The indication is he might be in for a larger role. It will be a running back by committee approach, but is there a chance that even though Khalil Herbert had his own moment with the long touchdown catch and run, that Roshan Johnson could be the guy – that becomes, I don't want to say an opening day starter, but gets the bulk of the carries. Do you see that trending in that direction? 
Certainly intrigued by it, without question. I mean, I have major questions up and down this roster about depth. None of them are at the running back position because they've got three guys there that, that really turn your head and, and all bring a little bit something different to the table. Roshan Johnson's 24-yard run against the Titans was a, a terrific display of vision and then just that quick-cut agility to, 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 to kind of cut once in the hole another cut to get north and south and, and so you see that you understand how the coaches have talked about him for months in terms of his um blocking awareness and his blocking ability and the ability to do that to be able to to be a, a pass catcher in the passing game as well and now all of a sudden it was just how quickly can we get all of the responsibilities that we have in this offense to slow down in Roshan's brain well the slower or it gets inside his brain the faster he's going to emerge as a guy that they're going to want to have on the field every week and so look like I think that's a guy this week this week heading to Lucas Oil Stadium that should get a lot of opportunity and a lot of, uh, of chances in the second preseason game to, to show what he's all about. And if he continues to, to, to make that climb, then if you're Deontay Foreman, if you're Khalil Herbert, you go, okay, there goes, there goes some touches. There goes some reps on the field when the regular season hits. Darnell Wright looked good in seven snaps. I hope that he gets a little bit more run on Saturday night against the Colts. I think that would be good for his experience level. The offensive line with or without Nate Davis had some good – Moments with uh, Jatari Carter having a good day. Also, Cody Whitehair making blocks down the field. Those are those are good things and good signs. Dan, before we go, though, I want to know what you think about P.J. Walker and the level of concern maybe the Bears should have. He's not had a great training camp. He did not have a good preseason opener. Is there any reason to start to worry about the backup to Justin Fields, which is a very, very important job on this roster? Well, look, you know, the Bears QB2 job has required at least one start in 13 consecutive seasons. So so uh, an educated guest tells you that there will be a week in the fall where you go, oh, P.J. Walker's starting this week, <laughs> you know, and you're going to have to figure out what you can do with him. Look, he's won in this league. He's won as recently as last year with the Panthers in adverse situations. I, I, I don't press much of a panic button here. The Bears are not currently in a situation where um, struggles of their backup quarterback is going to sink their season. You know, they're not in one of those modes where you're content for something. So the biggest thing you want to get out of PJ Walker is on a week to week basis, is he helping Justin in ways that produce meaningful development for Justin? And then when he has opportunities to play, can he, can he, you know, make the most of them and, and at least be successful. So you don't have a major drop off. Nothing there with PJ yet to this point gives me any sort of, you know, butterflies in my stomach or, or nervous anxiety. Um, but you got, you got, you got to hope that whatever playing time he gets these next few weeks, he, he shows, uh, some positive signs and an ability to, to create a rhythm and get that offense moving in the right direction. And your guy, Tyson Badgett, you oh, know, he yeah. showed out the other day, you know, he fourth did. quarter preseason games, get a chance to, to make some plays, go make some plays. And a fourth down conversion the other day was pretty impressive. And he'll get some more work here the next two weeks as well. He looked polished. He looked smooth. <laughs> He's going to have a good week of practice in Indianapolis. That's where you're headed. Colts and Bears crossover practices at the Colts complex before Saturday night's kickoff at Lucas Oil Stadium. Good opportunity for Matty Flues to reacquaint himself with some people in that organization that were very good to him, where he had a very nice run, where he worked before coming to the Bears. Also, Jonathan Taylor, there's kind of a backdrop of some controversy with the Colts. They just named Anthony Richardson their starting quarterback. From But from a Bears perspective, Dan, what's the goal of these crossover practices, and what do you expect to see? Yeah, look, like you'll hear all week from Matty Berflus and Shane Steichen, the, the – um, 
chance to create an environment that is highly competitive, but not combative, you know? And so you want high intensity competition against new people, right? Like these guys have been going at it for two and a half weeks in training camp against the same people. They've gotten familiar with the guy that's lining up against them every snap and, and what their tendencies are. And so now you test that against new people in a way that's uh, the, the blood's going to be boiling, you know, because those guys from Indianapolis aren't going to be taking care of the Bears the way the Bears are taking care of the Bears and vice versa. You know, and so you want to get out there in a controlled environment, squeeze the most out of these one-on-one um, -on -one reps, seven-on-seven reps, team reps, all that's there. I think both, uh, both teams are looking forward to this two-day crossover situation, and then obviously we'll get the game on Saturday night, which uh, Matty Rufus was pretty vague on, on how much, if any, we were going to see a Justin Fields on Saturday night or whether they were going to really uh, just dial in on these crossover practices with them. But I think it's fun. Like I, I, I am truly looking forward more than any day of training camp to this point. These two days, I think is going to be notebook fillers where you're taking notes at everything you can see at once to, to make sure you see how this measures up. Colts, David, are, are a team that's predicted to be about a six or a seven win team. So it's a good matchup, good measuring stick for a couple days. I hope Justin Fields plays the first half on Saturday night. I hope that they give him some game action. I hope they run no huddle. Hope they increase the tempo. They give him some game time read so he has to process things quickly. I hope that's the approach. I don't know that it will be. I think that uh, Matt Eberflus, um, you know, has kept that pretty much close to the vest and maybe hasn't decided yet or so he says. Last year, it was just a one series thing in the second preseason game in Seattle, and then they went longer in the finale against Cleveland. At some point, you want to see him take a game to halftime just for the sake of getting some two-minute repetition in right and and trying to figure out what the two-minute operation looks like uh whether that's this week whether that's next week we will see uh it certainly diminishes the appeal on saturday if he's not going to play more than one series but we will uh we'll keep our our fingers on that pulse and maybe get an answer before we get to kick off on saturday anything we didn't cover before i close out with a little st quick story yeah, I was going to say the only thing we didn't cover is whatever happened in the Poconos. I need, okay, to, so, I need to recap so, of this. So I'll, I'll be, uh, long story short, I told this on the radio. I'll try to make it uh, condense the, the, the version. We're in the Poconos. Had a really good week. My wife picked the place. It's backed off into the woods. And so there's, you know, wildlife. There's My son was feeding a deer, basically, at the, at the fire pit. There was a lot of that. When I went running, I would see deer regularly. So the last night there, last Thursday night, I believe, Around midnight, my wife wakes me up. Did you hear that? I hadn't heard that. Did you hear that? We're on the second level. Um, yes, I did hear that. I get out on the balcony on the second level. I look below. There's a bear going through our garbage can. A real bear. Okay? Not Richard Dent. <laughs> not Richard Dent. Not Dan Hampton. Bigger than both of those guys. Seven feet tall. Dan, he's going through our garbage. All of a sudden, he hears us rustling around. I'm looking for my phone because I want to take a picture. I should be looking for my phone because I want to call 911. This was a real <laughs> emergent situation. He could have easily just – my wife was out there 20 minutes earlier walking the dogs, okay? This is like right by my son's car, which was parked right there. We're out there with my sister and her family, my son and my wife and I, and we're like, okay, what do you do? The bear looks at us and starts walking away. So we're kind of like, okay, oh, where's he going? Going to the front yard. He starts to like, we're thinking, okay, fine. He's going back into the woods. He turns around. I swear. I'm so glad my wife was up because nobody would believe the story <laughs> if she hadn't seen it with me. He starts strutting like a big cocky bear. The cockiest bear I've seen since Jay Cutler. This guy is walking toward us. And all of a sudden he stops. <laughs> he stops, looks at us, and there's a tree in the front yard. He starts climbing the tree. He gets oh, to boy. like, he gets probably six, seven feet off of the ground onto the tree, 
looking at us, like almost like taunting us, jumps down, looks at us again, and goes back into the woods. And we're like, oh, my gosh, did you see that? Did you just see that? And it was seven feet tall, big, strong bear ready to eat us. Anyway, long story shorter, the next day went out, gathered the garbage can or garbage bag, put it away. And the only thing missing from the garbage bag was a bag of Doritos. And there was a Dorito bag in the woods. And that would have been a great commercial for Doritos. So he has been dubbed, after I told this story, one of our texters to the 670 the score called him Dorito the Black Bear. So Dorito the Black Bear finished our vacation, made it even more memorable, and made it easy to leave the Poconos. Thank you for joining us today on the Take the North podcast. We will be back with more information from Indianapolis after the crossover practices. We'll talk to you before the Bears kick it off with the Colts later this week. Saturday night is kickoff at Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll talk to you before then. For Adam Sudzinski, our producer, for Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune, I'm David Hall. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. We'll talk to you next time.